Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome everyone to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. Whilst everybody else in Cultaholic are focusing intently on the crown jewel-based shenanigans across the water. We are here looking at the shenanigans of WWF's crown jewel across the water. You'll see what I mean in a minute. And who be we? We be the drivers of this Ica-Pro-powered DeLorean. My name is Tom Campbell. I am joined, as always, by the bear in the big blue bar cage, the head penicultaholic, doesn't need a pencil because he gets it right first time. Justin Henry is there in America. That is factual. I am here in America. How is America today? Well, I, I can't speak for Iowa or New Mexico, but here in southern New Jersey, I'm things appear to be quite well. Thank you very much for uh, bearing with us last week. Um, I had a bit of a, a real-life stupidity that meant that we couldn't be here last week but we are here now and thank you very much for uh, your nice messages and your kind patience uh we get straight on to what month what day what year are we in justin for for the cultaholic classic raw review well the air date was may the 3rd 1993 although the we will be discussing were taped one week earlier on april 26th although we have something to discuss that occurred on the day may 3rd that is wrestling related and i know is Big point of contention for yourself there. Oh, this is something that we have been building up to talking about for quite some time. And my opinion on it has has bounced back and forth and back and forth. Um, it is on this day in 1993 as Monday Night Raw was, was getting ready to be broadcast. Meanwhile, over the way in Japan, Hulk Hogan yes. was uh, about to compete for... Is it wrestling Dontaku? Sounds sound about right to you. Okay, the, anyway, it's the annual May 3rd show. And Hulk Hogan is there, uh, and uh, <sighs> he has expressed an interest in facing the IWGP champion. At this point, he is the WWF champion. Uh, and during Correct. a press conference, he discusses uh, his, his reign as WWF champion. Five times World Wrestling Federation champion. This belt... It's just a toy. It's like a trinket on a Christmas tree, like an ornament. The belt that I want is the one that the great Muta has, the IWGP belt. Because when Hulk Hogan wins the IWGP championship, which he should have right now, it will prove that New Japan Pro Wrestling and Hulk Hogan is the greatest 
the greatest partners in the world because I want all the great wrestlers to come to me and I want them to come to Japan where I can wrestle. I want to wrestle and prove that I'm the best. What a dick. <laughs> he was building up to a possible, possibly a rematch with the Great Muda, who he defeated earlier in the show in what was actually one hell of a match. And this is and, and this is after the fact. Hogan is basically saying, you know, I want a rematch. I want that belt. I've beaten the champion. I'm going to beat him a second time and take the belt. And and, and if Vince hears it, I mean, what's Vince really going to do? He he, because Vince tries to figure that no one in this, like other than the observer, other than the observer readers who are going to find out about this and. Indeed, Meltzer reported on, on in the issue after the fact. It's like, I mean, the marks in the front row aren't going to hear Hulk Hogan's. You know, the kids who love Hogan talk talk bad about the belt he has, unless they watch it on YouTube many years later. So, I think it was fine for what it was. I did just, enjoy like, the explanation that he gave when he was challenged on it initially, and he said, "Oh no, that was translated wrong." <laughs> You spoke in English, mate! But yeah, it looks for all the world like he's saying that this belt is garbage. This belt that I won from Yokozuna in 20 seconds is, is, is just flattened feces. But you know what it reminds me of, though? And, and I was originally really cross when I watched this, and, and I have been about this whole thing for a long time. But it kind of draws parallels with Mick Foley spitting on the WCW title, on the tag team title. When he was right, in ECW. ECW, in the sense, the story that he was telling there was that um, the, this belt is important to me, but not as important as this moment right now. And I and mm-hmm. I like that as a thing. I do. I like the I like the idea that somebody mm-hmm. can hold something that that whilst it's powerful, there is something that is even more so. And mm-hmm. but but the thing is with. The, the big difference maker is that with Foley, I get that he's doing it from a, a story point of view to get somebody else over. But with Hulk Hogan, I just feel like he does it to get Hulk Hogan over. You know, no. the, the only other person I can think of who treated a belt worse than Hulk Hogan was Naito with the Intercontinental Championship. <laughs> and he just literally just kicked it around when he was the champion. It was amazing. Well, I mean, Hogan did show up back in New Japan that September, and he did face Fujinami at the big January 4th Tokyo Dome show in 94, so he did come back. It wasn't like it was It was just, well, no, I'm not coming back, so let me just, you know, bash the belt and kind of spit on Vince a little bit here. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that was the gist of it is what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. Well, look, the, 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 the story will go on forever. Your opinions on it are very welcome. As always, <clears throat> at JRH Writing, at Tom Campbell on Twitter, at Cultaholic. <clears throat> just sometimes in the middle of the night, just say, Hulk Hogan wasn't wrong. And just tweet it to the main Cultaholic account and nobody else. Give no other context. <laughs> and uh, just confuse Adam Pacitti when he checks the tweets in the morning. <laughs> context, who the hell needs it? I often think that me and you, Justin, are a bit like, sort of like these, these, these side, these, these sideline assassins for the main Cultaholic feed. <laughs> I was going to say bad influence, but that sounds good too. We're pretty bad influence and sideline assassins. We are both of those. <laughs> uh, if you could hashtag sideline assassins to at Cultaholic. And so only you and I would get it. That would be great. Thanks. <laughs> it's all about the inside jokes. Exactly. So let us go to the reason that we're here today, which isn't to discuss Hulk Hogan's shenanigans and Japanigans. Uh, it is to discuss Monday Night Raw from May the 3rd, 1993. Where are we this week, Justin? It is the Manhattan Center. Yeah. 
A favorite matches, Manhattan center. Yes, these matches are taped a week earlier, as noted earlier. And we begin, well, we jump right into the action. It's Shawn Michaels and Hacksaw Jim Duggan for the Intercontinental Championship. Oh, this was the big thing they were building from last week. And you mentioned this, actually, at the end of last week. It's funny how they always insist on putting the main matches on really early. Well, I think it was kind of the Saturday Night's main event formula. You watch these old shows, it's like at 12.50 at night. It's when you get like the Red Rooster versus the Brooklyn Brawler. Whereas Hulk Hogan goes on just like before midnight. So it, it was kind of that theory. You want to start off raw with something hot. Because you know that as you head toward the 10 o'clock hour, the, the crowd's going to peter out a little bit with the home audience. So Duggan and Michaels. And I wrote in my notes here. Go on. Duggan. Hacksaw was old back then. And I said, when I mean old, I mean he was like 39 years old. But he's 14 years younger then than Shawn Michaels is today as he gets ready for Crown Jewel. Jesus, really? And Where's... even then, in his final laps as a WWF performer, he is giving people absolutely nothing. I love Hacksaw. How dare you? Oh, okay. You tell me a match where he made anybody look strong. Randy Savage in 89. After that. <laughs> Um, he had a whole so in his whole WWF career you can't think of a moment he was the he was the undercard guy well match was a mid-card guy who had enough who didn't lose so he had a little bit of credibility he could always get the crowd into the show with minimalist theatrics the USA the knocking around of the heel the crowd was always into it he was a crowd favorite so it, it wasn't like the crowd were booing him out of the building like you know this garbage is uh, not entertaining get him out of here his shtick worked. So I just find worked, it funny was... how I, he never really put anybody over. I never got that vibe from him, like even in this match. Like I don't really feel like he okay. gives any shine to Shawn Michaels. But give me your notes, Sarah, and prove me wrong. Hey, I'll tell you who he made look strong, Yokozuna. Didn't he lose by DQ? No, he didn't. When he was bonsai into oblivion in February. But wasn't that after he was dis- after Yoko? after he won by DQ I think Yoko pinned him cleanly oh I'm gonna check this I don't think he did I think Duggan I think Yokozuna got disqualified because he couldn't put down Duggan (laughs) (laughs) I do Uh, think that's what happened you know you you might actually be right but he did take the stretcher (laughs) ride and and then he he did bleed from the mouth so that's good enough for me so screw you Fair oh come on, let's not let's not go down the dick bag route again. Just because I'm upsetting your all American hero. I want there to be a a, a backwards trail called the dick bag route. <laughs> We're taking we take the dick bag route. down in November. <laughs> so Sean comes out. He he dances for the good-looking ring card girl who's still here. And as, as you and I noted on the last show, is the best-looking ring card girl so far. Mm-hmm. She really is. So sad. So the commentary team is, of course, Vince, Savage, and Heenan, because Heenan has now replaced Rob Bartlett. Sad trombone. (laughs) This is the point in Duggan's career when he started wearing that singlet, which I don't think was a good look for him. You just preferred him in his underpants, didn't you? I prefer everybody in their underpants. Yeah, boy! (laughs) So, set. We get a nice shot of Randy Savage getting down the Hacksaw's music while it comes comes to the ring. He gives this vibrating double thumbs up, which is bizarre to say the least. 
Hey, the crowd's changing the USA, so Hacksaw's over even with the Smart Mark crowd, or the wise-ass crowd. So, so, so as far as I'm concerned, he, he can do all the non-jobs he wants. Okay, okay, that's fine. That's fine, we beg to differ. <laughs> so ha Hacksaw does his bit before the match where he points a 2x4 like Sean as over we're gun, and Sean makes a point to duck all the 2x4 gunshots. That was kind of funny. That was adorable. See, even Sean's getting dug in over in pantomime. So there's a lot of stalling early because it's a hacksaw match. There's a lady in the front row in a patriotic t-shirt who is way in the hacksaw. I mean, like, more than I am right now in the, in the midst of this rant. So she Duggan was hits... really up for the Duggan, wasn't she? Oh, yeah. It's like, she was hacksaw's biggest fan. Now, I have a point of contention here. He hits Sean with a barrage of clotheslines. And I'm, and I'm thinking, isn't that Hacksaw's finishing move? Ooh. Doesn't, I guess him putting the three fingers on the mat before running into a clothesline is, uh, anyway, adds more velocity to the actual clothesline itself, puts more oomph into it. It certainly does. That's, that's the whole thing, is that it's a three-point stance clothesline. So if Hogan did a leg drop without doing the big boot first, it would just be a regular leg drop, like a, a Sean Walton running leg drops, for instance. Yeah, it would just be a standard common or garden leg drop, but because he has the big boot and the bounce off the ropes for extra speed, <laughs> it becomes a Hulk Hogan atomic leg drop. It's like it's like how, how Vanilla Ice showed how his riff was different from the under-pressure riff. But then mine goes... Do, 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 do. <laughs> exactly. Well done, mate. I just had a thought. Yes. If you combined Hulk Hogan's leg drop, but you started it with a Jim Duggan three-point stance, would it be the most powerful finishing move of all time? It might be. Um, but you also got to deal with the other arm the Ryback arm pump that he did before the meat hook clothesline. Oh, yeah, that one that wound up the <laughs> the arm. What? While stomping the other foot like Shawn Michaels for Sweet Chin Music. Jeez, you just give me like, just like an octopus in the corner, looking like you're having a stroke. <laughs> I want you now to picture somebody in the corner of the ring, doing a three-point stance, stomping their foot for Sweet Chin Music, rotating their shoulder for the old Phoebe Moore meat hook. <laughs> Anyone who can do this and make a gif of it, please upload it to Twitter immediately. Uh, and then you have and to turn yourself completely upside down like Bray Wyatt. <laughs> yes, while doing the spider pose. <laughs> and, if, and if you hurt yourself, uh, no liabilities here. Um, you're doing it on your, under, under your own volition. We're just suggesting that if maybe somebody could do that, they should send us a, a video exactly. of it. Exactly, we're not telling you to do it. Precisely. If you do it, that is up to you. The, we are not responsible. We've signed waivers. <laughs> so, Hacksaw kicks Sean's ass for a little bit. Sean tries to bail. Hacksaw carries him back to the ring. And Sean finally mounts a little bit of offense. Takes control for a while. It's, it's a very basic match at this point. He does get the elbow drop barrage, similar to what Dolph Ziggler does today. Although Dolph does 17 of them in a row, where Sean did like three or four. Savage says, and I'm quoting here, that Duggan's goal is to, quote, make these people happy. Oh! 
Savage was on form tonight. He was on a rare form. I don't know where they pulled him out of before doing this live to tape commentary, but it must be someplace nice. <laughs> Somewhere with free alcohol. So Vladimir in the front row is offering Hackstall encouragement. And if Vlad's on your side, then you're a winner. <laughs> Which one's Vladimir? Now, Vladimir is the... He's the tan guy with the big Coke bottle glasses. He right, is, okay. He's, he's like super enthusiastic at all times. Just happy to be there. What a guy. And, and Vladimir rules. The greatest fan ever. Screw sign guy Rick or whatever his name is. Um, so he talked about how he would take a stun gun and hit Sean or hit Hacks on the lip with it. And that's how you put him down. And then, uh, and then we have this exchange. As Sean puts Hacksaw in a, in, a, in a chin lock, Vince says, check the forearm, it's under the chin. And he says, no, no, it's across the carotid artery. And Vince goes, exactly. I'm like, oh, no, no, exactly. Heenan just pointed out why the chin lock is both legal and effective. And Vince is trying to say that, no, you're not supposed to put your arm across the carotid artery. But that's how the super hold works, or the chin lock works. So, I love it. I like it when two people who don't quite have the full knowledge attempt to discuss something in depth. Well, no, Bobby. That's why like, we're here. <laughs> yes. Don't worry, we're just winging it, people. <laughs> if, you, if you think Vince is winging it, we're winging it tenfold. <laughs> we're winging it while they wing it. Exactly. We're the wing it spinoff. So Hacksaw makes the big comeback, slams him. Three-point stance, complete with three fingers on the mat. Clothesline knocks Sean to the floor. Sean tries to leave again, and then he gets he gets into the face of our good friend Paul Sosnowski. And as soon as he turns around, Hacksaw clotheslines his ass right over the guardrail. Sean, not Paul Sosnowski. Sean cuts a nice flip over the railing, but Hacksaw wins by countout. So See, it, it's just, and, and I get, I get now why. I think initially, I, when I first watched this, and I watched this not knowing where the story was going, my head was just, oh, here we go, same old Duggan, can't be bothered to lose to Shawn Michaels, so we're gonna get this hokey finish. But then it it did go somewhere. It did. So after the match, uh, it, well, it was a decent TV match. I thought it was. It was Hacksaw, and it was Sean, and Hacksaw didn't do a whole lot, but what he did was effective, and Sean bumped for him, so that's fine. So Hacksaw takes the microphone. He's upset because it's a, because it's a countout. He can't win the Intercontinental title. So he goes on a rant, and he begins by saying, I think that WWF does a lot of things right. I don't know, I don't know why, but I thought that was a funny line. I, I love you, but... <laughs> like, like, oh no, where's this going? <laughs> he says he's not leaving until he gets another piece of Sean. So he starts throwing chairs in the ring. He's going to stage a sit-down strike. We come back from break, and Hacksaw is still in the midst of his... Well, he's not sitting anymore. Now he's just hitting the chairs with his 2x4, which <laughs> admittedly does look like a lot of fun. That's what I would It's like he's a kid in a crash, just playing with whatever toys are in there. Yep, just batting stuff around. It's it's more entertaining than some of the matches we've seen over the last few months. To be fair, looking at the card that we got for the rest of the night, I would have, for some of these, I would have quite happily just watched Duggan versus Chair. 
Was Doug going to have laid down for the chair, you think? No, of course not. Don't be daft. Okay. 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 Doug would have just steamrolled the chair. <laughs> he wouldn't even sell for the chair, I'd bet. <laughs> he wouldn't even wouldn't sell for the chair. He wouldn't sell for so the we chair. Have... He used to be a double glazing salesman, you know. <laughs> Didn't sell anything then either. And Hacksaw Jim Duggan's had a history of no selling. But that's part of why he's Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yes, I know. So we have our King of the Ring report with Mean Gene Oakland, your old friend. Oh, Mean Gene's back. I thought we might have lost him forever, but no, here he is. And we get a shoehorned ad for Iker Pro with Crush, which he gives a hearty endorsement to. I like it because it feels like 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 Mean Gene's to go. Mean Gene crosses live to Crush, who's in the middle of a workout, and I feel like we're watching him until he looks straight at the camera and goes, "You gotta want it." Like, oh, thanks, and Crush. In order to show that it was live, they should have Crush tear his bicep in the midst of his of his workout, <laughs> just to demonstrate the perils of live television. <laughs> It'd be like when they would start. You ever see the cartoon The Critic? Yes, I like The Critic. It would be like when when coming attractions would start up and Jay Sherman would go, tonight we're going to review blah, 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 and they show a clip. And they come back to Jay Sherman. But first, it had that vibe to it. Yeah, like, I like that. Kindering, Kindering matches. Here's Crush doing seated rows. But first, we have... I liked it. So I liked we, it a lot. So we established the tournament. Bret Hart's already qualified because of his status as the ex-champion. Luger's now went after being Bob Backlund on Superstars. Meanwhile, Mr. Perk and Dwight the Clown went to a draw in their qualifying match, so they will have a rematch. Meanwhile, Hulk Hogan's going to defend against Yokozuna. Of course, this was if this was truly live, Mean Gene would have commented on Hogan's comments earlier that day about the belt, but alas. Well, it must be live because at one point, <laughs> Mean Gene hears word that Jim Duggan has left the ring, and Jack Tunney is on the phone. And oh, you're right. G- Gene Oakland manages to do this by listening to an imaginary earpiece. Because Gene <laughs> Oakland just puts his finger in his ear and says, oh, I'm just getting word. There's no earpiece. It's just you putting your finger in your ear. At least. Maybe he has a, maybe he has a magical earwig that talks to him. I think he must be, like, like psychic. And if he is psychic, he should have just held his forehead like Charles Xavier and gone, wait, I'm getting something. <laughs> that would have been better. The whole holding his ear. But there was no earpiece. He could have held an envelope to his head like Johnny Carson. <laughs> or just picked up a shoe, held the shoe to his ear. What's that? I'm getting word. <laughs> Jim Duggan has left the ring. Agent Mean Gene. That would have been brilliant. Although... Although I have to add, when Hulk Hogan was talking about great Japanese wrestlers in, in his promo earlier that day, why didn't he mention Yokozuna? Oh, that would. Do you know what? I would have, I would have forgiven everything he'd said if he'd said some great Japanese wrestlers like Yokozuna, like proper kayfabe. I love that. <laughs> like Kato of the Orient Express. <laughs> Pat Tanaka in a mask. Kato of the Orient Express. Was Yokozuna. A, was Yoshi Kwan Japanese or is, he, or is he something else? I can't remember now. Oh, I reckon Hogan probably just think he was Japanese. 
<laughs> well, I thought it was Japanese when I was nine years old, so. <laughs> no, that, I, would, I know, that would have redeemed the press conference for me if Hulk Hogan had said, I've already faced the best Japanese wrestler. I faced Yokozuna. Just because I know they would have sandbagged it in New Japan. <laughs> no, that would have been memorable, yes. That would have been fantastic. <laughs> I, I'm even going to cast Brutus Beefcake in as some sort of samurai type being in, in Santa with muscles, <laughs> which he did. Oh God, he did, didn't he? You want to see Kung Fu Ed Leslie? That that's your movie. Gosh, there's a whole there's 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 so much to say about Ed Leslie. Um, but this is not the, this is not the day. This is not the night. You know what we should do? We should do a live watch of Santa with muscles if we get enough support for this podcast around Christmas time. Do you know what? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> We're going to do a live watch of Santa with muscles. Me and Justin. It's like you're trying to talk yourself into it. I am. And and I feel like if I say it in the same way that I said, I feel, I, I'm doing sober October at the moment, Justin. And so I've not drank for 22 days. I have drank, obviously, but just like not alcoholic stuff. Otherwise, I'd be really thirsty. Um, exactly. I've so I but because I put it online, I therefore had to do it. So I'm <laughs> going to put this on when this show is live. Myself and Justin, if there is enough interest, we will do some kind of live watch of Santa with muscles for the Christmas holiday. I will fly to Jersey. I would uh, welcome that. Pachiti will buy me ticket. <laughs> Cheers, mate. We can- we can do it online. It's no problem. No, I, I, I think watches. Adam Pacitti will quite happily buy me a plane ticket. We'll take it out of the kitty. It's fine. <laughs> I'll put it back when I get back. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll watch Santa with Muscles. I feel like that's appropriate. The cadence of your voice is like Christopher Walken trying to remember what happened in the last day or so. <laughs> then I went to the airport and I picked up my wife and... I like how Christopher Walker does just talk like a sat-nav. <laughs> he's, he's, he's doing an impression of Christopher Walken when he talks. <laughs> right, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll revisit this. Okay, so, we, so we have upcoming qualifiers announced for this weekend. Tito Santana, Razor Ramon, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan, assuming he, he's left the ring, which means he ensures that he has, versus Papa Shango. And now we come to a rather important match. On the surface, it is a squash match, but it's also the debut of someone who would have some very important moments and very big matches throughout the next however many years of professional wrestling. It is Doink the Clown versus – was he the Cannonball Kid or the Kamikaze Kid here? He was the Lightning Kid. He had the tights of the Lightning Kid, but he was not called the Lightning Kid. Oh, I've got Lightning Kid in my notes. Well, he, he did have tights that said L Kid on his buttocks, so – so he was he, whatever. He was sorry. He, he was, was the Kamikaze Kid. The Kamikaze Kid. I assume El Kid is uh, French for Lake Kid. <laughs> the Kid. Yes, Lake Kid is French for the Kid. That is so. right. It is Sean Waltman. Who... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Who would gain notoriety and fame for doing a naughty, bluey, rude film with China in the early millennium. Well, there is that, but he was more known. Well, at this point in time, even at 20 years old, he had established a very cultured wrestling background for himself. He was the GWF light heavyweight champion on at least one occasion. I think once he had it more than once. But at his age, he was one hell of a performer. Him and Jerry Lynn had some tremendous matches with one another especially down in the Dallas area, as well as in each man's native Minneapolis region. And he was, he was, a, he was quite a dynamic talent. He, had, uh, he tried out for the company that, shortly after WrestleMania. He credits Luis Vicoli for, having to, for doing everything he could to get him over in, in the tryout match, which is why he was hired. And uh, what we're seeing here is the start of a storyline, although we don't know it's a storyline. We think this is just some... If you've never seen the Lightning Kid before, this is just a skinny-legged, fresh-faced youngster who's here to put over Doink the Clown. And in fact, that is what he does. He puts over Doink with not a whole lot of offense. It's basically just any old squash, although if you watch GWF, you know who this man is that's doing the job. That's it. You just assume it's just a, a random common or garden sure, sure. job-type affair. So Dwayne comes to the ring. He's got this fake tongue gag that he's doing, sticking out this prosthetic piece out of his mouth. He jumps in the ring. He attacks Kid right off the bat. And he gets this big belly-to-belly suplex. I mean, I mean, it was great execution on it. Dwayne applies an STF, which Kid sells very loudly, a very gravelly voice. I mean, Kid's acting like the, his leg's being torn right off you know, at the ACL and the, and the LCL. He was really good at selling. I thought he really went for it. Well, he's, he's conveying that he's getting his ass kicked by this clown. It's because we are to think that Kamikaze Kid, Cannonball Kid, Lightning Kid, Leg Kid, whatever he was, is, is just a common everyday jobber at this point. No reason to think he's going to win this match whatsoever. And Vince gives us this wonderful line, because they're trying to reinforce how evil Doink is. 
And he chooses to use Goofy's voice when he says this. I have no idea why. But he goes, basically, this clown is evil. Yeah, that was weird. I don't know why he went into sort of OTT. I don't know whether he was trying to be like an in- a- an exaggerated announcer to make the point stand out. I don't know. He's crazy, I tells you. Crazy. I like to think Bobby Heenan dropped an ice cube down the back of, it, of his shirt as he was talking. <laughs> That's what happened, didn't it? That's what happened. <laughs> That's the only logical explanation for what happened there. What's weird is when Vince McMahon does stuff like this, is that a lot of what we are seeing is Vince's vision. Pretty much everything we are seeing is Vince's vision. So you'd have thought that Vince would be the one that would be capable of telling us what the vision is. But I guess it's that whole thing of if you're too close to something, then you probably shouldn't be uh, talking it up. But I always feel like he's off the mark with some of these things. Like, I think him kind of making out Doink the Clown is crazy and wacky isn't what Doink the Clown is. Doink the Clown is a dark, evil son of a gun. Well, Vince is selling to a very specific audience, people who were going to buy into the basic explanation for things. Yeah, they're not trying to sell subtlety. They're trying to sell something that the that the, that the guy in the in the cheap seats, the eighty fifth row, is going to understand. You know. Yeah, that's true. So it, it, it's kept very basic. It is what it is. So Doink wins with the stump puller, which he falls backwards while applying, makes it look even more painful. Kid submits, and the bell takes forever to ring for because the referee. Oh, I guess there's a miscue here. And then Doink gives us this prolonged evil stare at the camera after the match. <laughs> it was legitimately creepy. I love it. I, I, I love the initial outing of Evil Doink the Clown. Not the <laughs> crazy tell you, like the proper dark evil clown. <laughs> this was Heath Ledger's Joker before Heath Ledger's Joker. It albeit really more circus like It really was. I love it. I love the presence of an evil clown. It's such a great gimmick. He showed Rob Bartlett how to make a pencil disappear. <laughs> and that's why Rob Bartlett's not around anymore. Ta-da! That was oh, that bit from Batman where he's yeah. in the uh, in the holding thing. He's talking to all the minions, isn't he? And he says, I'm going to make this pencil disappear. Ta-da! There's, there's plenty of room for aggressive expansion. It's brilliant. He's broke. That was uh, inspired. And the problem is now, because Heath Ledger's no longer with us, it's there's no one else that can touch that role. I don't yeah, think. That's a shame. Well, I'm kind of interested in where they go with uh, was it Joaquin Phoenix in the role now. I live to be proved wrong. Joaquin Phoenix is certainly a, a, an unstable character. So sure. that could be the right kind of person to put in charge of the Joker. I mean, because... I want to be wrong on it because we all thought that Jack Nicholson was definitive as the Joker and how well, wrong we were. All right, slow down, slow down. As an American who watches old syndicated TV shows, I thought Cesar Romero was the definitive Oh, my Joker. apologies. Cesar Romero <laughs> from... Of, I love that film. We've gone off on a slight tangent, but that um, slight, ba- Batman Jesus the movie, Christ. the 60s Batman movie, uh-huh. ap- appeared on... Like now TV, which is like our like like a Netflix style on demand thing that we've got here, and okay. I made my good lady Alex watch it because I was like, this is important television history, and 
I loved it. I think for three quarters of it, didn't know what was going on. Just was a bit like, what? So was this meant to be like over the top and ridiculous? I said, I think it was. Yes. That's the whole goddamn point. That's the point, isn't it? He's got yeah. shark repellent at the very beginning. Yes. Luckily. You must show her the. You must show her the TV series when they brought in every comic actor from the time and, and shoehorned them and made up characters for them to play. Here's Milton Berle as Louis the Lilac. I now want to watch that. I'm sure it's on, like, on demand somewhere in the UK. I'm going to find it. Here's Vincent Price as Egghead. Whoa, Vincent Price is in it. He was a Batman villain, yes. Oh, nice. He was the evil genius with the bald head known as Egghead. Amazing. Just amazing. Much more amazing than the friggin' Mania ad that they keep showing with Pettengill talking fast and hyperactive. Oh, I hate this. It's that forced wackiness. <laughs> Pettengill's the worst Batman villain, douche face. <laughs> <laughs> Pettengill is so a terrible come... Batman villain. Yes. So we come to our next match, which is Bob Backlund versus Dwayne Gill. Fun fact, I attended an NWA New Jersey event in 1999, and both these men were on the show. Wow, what an honor. I know. I got to meet Dwayne Gill and hold the light heavyweight belt for a, for a photo. Mate, where, you got, is the photo somewhere? Uh, it's probably long gone. It was, it was a Polaroid. Aww. I have no idea where it went, but there's 15-year-old me holding the belt over my shoulder while Dwayne Gill makes a face. Who else was on that show that you saw? Actually, the jobber who faces Kamala in the main event was on that show. He kind of established himself by that point. Um, Jim Cornette was there, Headbanger Mosh, King Kong Bundy. It, it was a happen. 15-year-old me was very pleased with that show. That does sound like a, like a late 90s indie show. It's definitely a, a New Jersey late 90s indie show. Incidentally, on the subject of what they are really on a show at that time are you kidding me um i've i had an update tonight there is a company in darleston which is in the west midlands which is where i'm originally from so it's about this this place is about oh about 30 miles from where i live where my mum and dad live um they're running a show in the next few months headlined by the nasty boys I would go to that show in two seconds. I mean, I kind of want to go. I'm fascinated. Then go. I went to a show in the intermediate school like 10 years ago. It was headlined by Rikishi versus Val Venus. Just to see Rikishi versus Val Venus in the neighboring town. It's That's the fun of independent wrestling. You don't know what the hell's going to happen. It's true. Friday, the, hey, I'll, I'll give them the plug. Friday, 1st of February, at Darleston Town Hall in the West Midlands. The Nasty Boys are going to be at the show. Unreal. Hell, hell and yes. And there is a picture of them from like 1980. And I'm thinking, I don't think they look like that anymore. <laughs> well, typical indie poster. Limited edition Nasty Boys meet and greet tickets for 15 English pounds. Pit stop costs extra. Oh, yeah. If you want the pit stop, it's uh, it's another 35 on top of that. That is so back to, Sorry, yeah. Back, so back, to, back to the show. Back, back to Backlund and Dwayne Gill. Gill blows off a handshake. He bumps wildly off of Backlund's offense. Meanwhile, Vince announces that we have our big match for next week. It'll be Duggan versus Sean in a lumberjack match for the Intercontinental title. Spoiler. 
Lumberjacks actually wear Lumberjack shirts in the match. I like that. I, I genuinely... I'm like Randy Savage, because Randy Savage mentioned this a couple of times about the fact that, oh, we're going to find a Lumberjack shirt big enough for Yokozuna. And it's like, I like that they're going to be dressed as Lumberjacks. They don't do that see, anymore. If you ever want to see Tugboat wearing a flannel shirt, this is your match. Absolutely. Who doesn't? So Gil gets in a bit of offense here. He works the head scissors back when Kip's out of it. And we get the really awesome spot where Gil applies a short arm scissors. Then Backlund rolls through and lifts Gil up onto his shoulder in one hell of an awesome spot. It's like the Roman version, but much cooler. I like that. That was nice. Did like that. Backlund is just freaky strong. And he gets a backdrop and then the cradle bridge pin, complete with a thumbs up and yeah, before he falls back into the pinning combo. That was a fun squash. It was a very deadly finish wasn't it that that crab pin yes uh, if he put his fingers on the mat before he went into the pin Dwayne Gill would not have lived to meet me at that independent show six years later <laughs> I can assure you and uh I think both our lives are better for having met each other Dwayne and I <laughs> I think so I think that you both got on to great things I think the one I thing mean, that at least Dwayne did is he lost that mullet yeah that's that was a sad day I may be embellishing half that equation I will say that no, no, that's perfectly reasonable. Here's the best Dwayne Gill Bob Backlund stat ever. Both men, will both men will compete for the WWE Championship at Survivor Series. Would Back they? on the 94, Dwayne Gill in 98 when he was in the tournament. Oh my god! He was the ringer they threw in for Mankind. That's incredible. Bravo! That's, that's a great statistic. That is a great Fun. statistic. Fun fact about that, my friend called me as soon as Vince announced Dwayne Gill's name and said, who the hell is Dwayne Gill? Now we all know. <laughs> See, my stat from the... the night was we've just watched two future WWF light heavyweight championship winners get troused. But that's not as cool as your stat. That, actually, that is actually factual also. Wow. And two Dwayne Gill had the best... Champs. Twinkle had the best Titan Tron ever. It's just him getting hit with everybody's finishing move. I love it. You know what? When you're gonna, you if you're gonna be the joke champion, double down on being the joke champion. <sighs> this is true. This is true. So we have a Tatanka Iker Pro ad because he's he's a workhorse even in pre-tape. Because heaven forbid we go a whole week without seeing Tatanka on Raw. Quick, get him in an Iker Pro ad immediately. <laughs> It's your yard now, Tatanka. <laughs> it was his yard to begin with for Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> um, so, ha moving on. Ha Hacksaw comes out for an interview because this is the Hacksaw show now. God, no wonder you're miserable at this show. <laughs> I used to like Jim Duggan. I really did. I just, I think, I think, I just see that he's a guy that really gave nobody anything. I'm, I'm now, I'm cursed as a, as a wrestling fan. Uh, it's, the more you watch, the more you realize things. And yeah, it is. You, you can't let it get to you, though. Nah, it's fine. So Duggan's back yeah. out then. He just puts over the lumberjack match in a brief interview. A pretty, a pretty enthusiastic interview, I will say. But it's pretty basic. It just gets the point across. 
then we get a smoking guns promo. In which Bart I love and Billy these. these are great. Bart They're and Billy so are campy. Out in the uh out in the Arizona or New Mexico wild somewhere, among the cacti and the the vegetation, and they have their guns. They also have some cans and bottles. And they proceed to demonstrate their sharpshooting by shooting the cans and bottles off this little stand. And they say they're talking about tr they're talking about trouble, and they mentioned Money Inc., the Hedgehoggers, and the Beverlys by name. And my first thought was, are they going to shoot those guys? They're gonna, they're going to bring guns to the ring, and they're going to shoot Ted DiBiase. I mean, that would guarantee championship success if you just shoot everyone else in the division. <laughs> it's well. My umbrage with this is if this had been anyone that wasn't in a cowboy gimmick and they were holding a, a gun in the promo and they were target shooting, I'm coming for you, IRS and Million Dollar Man, then you, then shouldn't they call the police? <laughs> <laughs> Say, there's a maniac with a gun. He's shooting at, at cans of Pabst Blue Ribbon and they're, uh, apparently he wants to try to – he says he's coming for me. I don't like the sounds of this. And then we have no brawl for all and no New Age Outlaws. What I like is the fact that they are showing, hey, how great we are with our guns. Look how cool we are with our guns. Get to the WWF. We're not going to use our guns. We're going to wrestle. Well, you can't use a gun in the match. Of course you can. That would have been revolutionary. If Bart and Billy had turned up, their first match was the Beverly's, and Bo Beverly gets in the ring, <laughs> Billy Gunn dips into his holster, shoots him in the kneecaps. <laughs> Dance. Done. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny, actually. That'd be brilliant. And all the matches is that the bell the bell sounds, and they just shoot them in the kneecaps. They get Charlton Heston in for Survivor Series, and he'd do a bit with them. Well, he had Chuck Norris the following year. Well, there you he... go. Is he is he in the NRA or not? Uh, no, he doesn't need probably... guns, does he? He just spits no. bullets. No, he wants shot down a, a Soviet spy plane with a super soaker. That's it. So he's fine. He doesn't need guns. <laughs> Ted DiBiase starts the NRA and, and has Bart and Billy in the stable. Yes. In quite well, the, the and, Chuck... and they're literally in a stable because they're cowboys. The best Chuck Norris fact ever was he once threw a grenade and killed 150 people and then the grenade exploded. <laughs> My favorite is Chuck Norris has two speeds, fast and kill. <laughs> If you can see Chuck Norris, he can see you. If you can't see Chuck Norris, you are seconds away from death. <laughs> oh, we're partying like it's 2004. Well, speaking of Chuck Norris, we go to another person who is quite famous in his day, and that is a special appearance from our old friend Captain Lou Albano. Oh, Lou Albano is in the house. What, what, what an introduction he gets. Like this legendary figure. He was the manager of champions. He was the guiding light. He was, more importantly, Super Mario. Yes, that is, that is the most important thing. That is the only thing. And that was right around the time that the Mario Brothers movie came out, which had Bob Hoskins stealing his part. Oh, I know, right? What a shame. Once you wanted to see Captain Lou versus Dennis Hopper, I know I would have. So Captain Lou comes to the ring. He shakes hands with the two jobbers who were there for the next match, which would, which is the Head Shrinkers versus... Jim Bell and Jay Sledge. And, 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 and I gotta say, 
Jay Sledge is a fantastic name for any wrestler of any level. So Lou and Alpha have a history because Lou managed Alpha to the tag team titles. And in fact, Samu, when he was about 19 or 20 years old, was the third wild Samoan. There's a lot of lost Samoans, isn't there? They uh, lost yeah, in the, time, like, Man, like Manu. Manu, Tama of the Islanders, who was one hell of a performer. Very underrated. The Anawai is our big wrestling family trait, let's put it that way. Vince finds a way to plug lose current health or lose current good health by by plugging Iker Pro, which because Vince is the consummate showman, and and Lou puts a big smile on my face by calling the head shrinkers the head hunters. Oh God! Again, this comes back to what I said earlier. Like, why would you like you're the guy that writes the program, like, and you don't know these things? It shows how much Lou was watching at the time. Oh, Lou was so annoying in this because. <laughs> when, when the head shrinkers come out, they're obviously looking to Lou Albano, like they're they're showboating towards him as if to go, "Hey, we're here. Respect to you." Lou Albano is just dicking about with Bobby Heenan, not making any yeah. eye contact with the head shrinkers. I feel like yeah. this whole bit was meant to be building Albano to join the head shrinkers, but Albano couldn't give us stuff. He was too yeah. busy trying to make the jokes with Bobby Heenan and miss the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, Alpha was pointing at him, like trying to get his attention, like you know, trying to create some friction. Meanwhile, Lou's busy bashing Bobby here, making the old dehydrated BB joke that he made back in 1981. Oh, he, he made that to... joke twice. Yes, he did. So he nice, to... he said it twice. And he, in trying to trying to feign, you know, comic indignance, has to basically spell Lou's jokes out for him so they are discernible to the average viewer. I will say at some point here, Bobby Heenan's – there's a funny point because Lou's on a microphone at ringside. He's not really wearing a headset. Heenan's in-arena commentary is actually bleeding out over his live commentary that he was doing the, the night that the show aired. So you're hearing two Bobby Heenan's talk at once. The head shrinkers or the head hunters, as Captain Lou referred to them, get a spike pod driver on Jim Bill, and Captain Lou – I guess I guess I think it's the point where he finally spotted off and realized, oh damn, so he's doing an angle here. Starts yelling "fake Samoan" at Alpha. Imagine how well that would go over today. Awkward. And then Bobby Heenan says, "When Lou managed the hedge, when Lou managed Wild Samoan, they used to be Polish." And all I could think is, what would Paul Sosnowski think? Oh, is he still there? Is this not the same oh. week? Yeah, it's the same week because because. He got in Sean's face before he got hit, knocked over the rail earlier. So he's still there, and he must be really sad. I, I think, I think Louise was still there though. So this is before he got arrested for being all weird. <laughs> Twenty eighteen feud of the year: Paul Sosnowski versus Tom Campbell. I can yes. feel it. No, no. Well, I, I don't want to put any effort into that because I'm still. <laughs> Because cause we need to get behind L.A. Gore, just give us three rings. Like, we L.A. Gore, we don't... Look, we, you, you might not want to be interviewed anymore. That's fine. But you are our absolute favorite enhancement talent of the 1993 WWF. And we... If you don't want to talk, that's fine. We just want to know you're okay. So, give us three yes. rings. L.A. Gore, a, a great preliminary wrestler and the combination of Diamond Dallas Page and Zap Rousdower. <laughs> I don't know who Zap Rousdower is, but... Zap Rousdower. I, I, I love his name, but I've never heard of him. Zap Rousdower was, 
was the Canadian Chuck Norris. Brilliant. And star of the star of the movie Final Sacrifice, which is tremendous. I'm gonna look him up. I keep thinking Zap Brannigan. And Zap, uh, it's R O W S Dower. D O W E R. Um, I'll just finish this match while you Google Zap Rails. Yeah, you Dower. do that. So, so Luke keeps yelling at them in quote unquote Samoan. Hedgehogs get a double headbutt. They beat up Jim Bell. They pull him up on a pinfall. The angle here is that Lou thinks that Alpha is he's leading the Hedgehogs down a bad path. That he's they could be better people than what they are. But that's kind of dumb because when Lou managed the Wild Samoans, they were maniacs, Alpha and Sika. So this makes no sense at all. They hit poor Jim Bell with the double leg sweep face buster, which is basically a double version of the skull crushing finale. Samoan splash finishes. It's a pretty brutal squash, both the match and the commentary. Then Bell gets a singlet torn up, and then Captain Lou just... I think he stopped caring a while ago. So that was that. I'm just annoyed that Albado should have paid more attention to what was going on. Uh, I, I'm not sure if he was capable of paying attention to what was going on. He had, he had that Lou ADD going. He was just out there to get himself over. As... As Bobby said in his Hall of Fame speech, he was talking about all the old managers. He goes, and Captain Lou, who refused to be fired. <laughs> but we will see um, Lou team with the head shrinkers soon, won't we? About a year from now, yes. Oh, it's that far away. Yes, it's that far away. I assumed it was around the corner. I I, I think Vince took one listen of Lou's commentary that night and realized, yeah, no. But then he came around on it later on. Incidentally, I have found a picture of um, of Zap. Yeah. And what do you think of Zap Ralsdower? He looks like a British actor by the name of Steve Pemberton. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'm going to send you a picture of Steve Pemberton now. And I'd like you to imagine Steve Pemberton with like much more hair and a, and a mustache. And uh, I, I kind of see it. I kind of see it. You can kind of see it? A little bit, a little bit. Because I'm sure Steve Pemberton is dressed like that, like Zap. The world, the world could always use more Zap in it. Oh, yeah, I like him. I wanna, I'm want i going to find out more about him. Big, big, <laughs> big fan of that work. <laughs> so, we, so we get an ad for Smack 'em Whack 'em, which was one of the premier WWE Coliseum videos of its day, despite the goofy name. Or perhaps because of the goofy name. This was quite a um, quite quite an important Coliseum video. Now refresh me. Was this the one that had the Flair Perfect Loser Leaves match on it? Or was this no, else? no. This one had. Not only did it have um, a, a lot of random pointless matches, but in it on it it did have Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels in a ladder match. Oh, okay, that one. It had Bret Hart winning the WWF Championship from Ric Flair. Oh, right. Flair. That's, that's two great matches right there. And it had Bret Hart defending his WWF Championship against Kamala. Okay, Yay! so that's three four-star matches right there. <laughs> I don't know if that's the one, but there's a Bret-Kamala match in one of the Coliseum videos where it ends on a DQ. And after the match, Bret steals Kim Chi's hat and puts it on. Sadly, yeah. it's not that one. Is this is such oh. a weird match that these two have on this video? 
in which Kamala attempts to goad Bret Hart into a test of strength. Because that's what you do when you're a savage. You do tests of strength. Very weird. But then throughout well, the video, there was a recurring skit, which was... <laughs> it was uh, Lord Alfred Hayes and the Bushwhackers doing DIY. Because of course, it, of course you have that, and we get... And I like how that's the selling point of the video. Not these great matches that Brett has with Sean and Flair for the two singles belts. Oh, no, no, no. Because they show us on the, on the show here, which I got to say, Vince just saying the phrase smack and whack him is hilarious. And so you got the Bushwhackers and Lorefer, he's in this dilapidated house. I guess they're, they're, they're trying to put back together and... I can tell you exactly what they're doing because I've watched a bit of it recently, thanks to OSW okay. Review. I can tell you that in this video, the head, the uh, the the bushwhackers, and Lord Alfred Hayes are building, and I quote, a whacking room. <laughs> I do not want to know what goes on in Luke and Bush's whacking room. Oh, you already know. I know, and I hate that I know. Now. <laughs> Do you think, and I'm, I'm just going to freestyle here for a second. Do you think that because only one arm is free, they still use that arm to do the bushwhacker bounce? Oh, God. Oh, God. As, as they laze about within the whacking room. Oh, as they do what they what they do in the whacking room whilst Lord Alfred Hayes presumably watches. Now, was there a big reveal at the end when Ty Pennington pulled the big curtain away and they showed the house and... All the, all the whackers were happy. No, but um, Lord Alfred Hayes did get electrocuted. Well, that's fine. So that's fun for him. Someone should do an entire YouTube reel of every time Lord Alfred Hayes either got beat up on Tuesday Night Titans or on a Coliseum video release. He always got a shoe in. He wasn't the greatest performer, but he was a trier. He he was Wiley Coyote and a frilly dicky. <laughs> And I'm sure he had his frilly dicky out inside the wet. Oh, God. <laughs> but in, the, in this bit here, we see on the show that Alfred just gets doused with water because it's funny. It's comedy, pal. Oh, God. It is, isn't it? So we come to our last match, which is technically the main event. And I would declare it as such. Kamala versus the Maryland-based independent wrestler Ramblin' Rich Myers. <laughs> who, as I mentioned earlier, was one of the guys I saw on that show in 1999. And was, was actually a pretty good performer. Seen him on some indies, solid hand. He was a Larry Sharp trainee. At this point, Vince announces that Mr. Perfect is going to be one of the Lumberjacks next week. And Bobby Heenan just, he, he's beside himself. Although it was announced in the prior match that Yokozuna would be a Lumberjack as well. So they're kind of beefing up the star quality of, of respective Lumberjacks here. So Kamala... Beats up Myers. He, he he hits him with the Iceman King Parsons butt bump, which I think I think was the precursor to the Naomi rear view. Yes, I think it was. It was at this point they were they they actually mentioned Vince mentioned on commentary. Where's we well, you bet you're wondering where's Slick? Damn right it was. Yeah, and and Vince was quite open. He said, "Oh, Slick thinks Kamala doesn't need him anymore, so Slick's gone." Yeah, this is the sad end of the Doctor of Style, one of the all-time great managers who had the best theme song in WWE history, the Doctor of Style Slick. 
and this Giant is how we bid for bro has gone i think on a future episode of challenger whatever it was mentioned that he'd gone back to his church down in texas i so do Kamala... quite like how they reference where they've gone when the guys well, have been fired well i think it's like the case because it sounds so wholesome that somebody who is in the company is a reverend who actually has a church it sounds like like, like well, somebody who worked here for many years is a reverend and he has his own church down in texas and it's, it sounds innocent. I mean, not to say that there's anything negative. They were covering something up about in regards to Slick, but it just it's one of the things that just sounds really nice to say, you know? It's not like, well, I bet you're wondering where this guy is. Well, he decided that crystal meth was more important than having a job, so it's just a nice, quaint way to bid farewell to someone who was a great guy in real life. But here's the thing, right? They say, <laughs> the story they give us is that uh, Slick says that he can't do any more for Kamala and their time is over and he's let him free to do his own thing. Then Kamala forgets how to pin a man. <laughs> That's a good point. That's like going, this bird is ready to be free now. I shall let him out of this cage with one wing and no flying ability. He's ready. He's free. Thump. This, that is true. It's... it's... It's like, well, damn, I told him, I tried to teach him how to lock up, but he wasn't listening, so screw it, he's on his own. It does sound bad when you put it in that perspective. It's terrible! What a terrible manager! Like, if he if he went out there and was like ricochet in the ring, it's like, well, I can't teach him anything more, he, he can do everything. <laughs> I like how we've compared Ricochet to Kamala. Well, it's they're very similar. Very similar. I mean, they're both employed by Vince, that's one similarity. They, uh, they each have teeth. That's two similarities. Um, they're both probably meat eaters. That's three similarities. Um, they've been in cars before. That's four. They've watched sporting events on TV. That's five. See, that's five. So, <laughs> so, so get off my ass, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> so Rich Myers, who, who appears to be sunburnt here, I should point out. He looks a bit uh, burned, doesn't he? Yeah, in spots. He, he has the farmer's tan in other areas. And, uh, he, he does this great flip of a savat kick. But, of course, Kamala can't pin him correctly because, as you've established, uh, Slick did his damnedest, but it just didn't take. And, and he didn't make sure to note that he's not the first guy who's been rolled in New York. So Kamala finally gets it right after approximately 15 minutes of, of trying to figure out how to pin the guy. It's fun little it's squash. Just, I like the whole... I mean, it's different, the whole thing where... He keeps rolling him over, and the crowd again into it as well. And they're saying, "Turn him over! Turn him over! Turn him over!" I like that bit, and the big cheer when he finally gets to the right way. <laughs> but I'd forgotten all about that as soon as I saw the lady in the front row eating the WF ice cream bar. So we have a Bam Bam Typhoon Cameron qualifier announced for next week. I um, I almost wanted to message you as soon as I saw this because it finally happened. We got a new action figure commercial. I know, at last. At last, they have finally retired the. Carrie Von Eric action figure that was creepily still sitting there 10 weeks after his unfortunate passing. Do you think somebody well, finally just went, oh, this is weird. We should probably change this. I think it's possible that for 10 weeks that his figure was a Jim Powers figure. Bogan, Virgil, IRS, Savage, Skinner. Probably Jim Powers. Possibly Jim Powers. If you could find them at the, uh, and he's still available in some stores that are behind on, you know, the new stock and all that. You could probably still get a, you know, a Rick Rude figure if you look hard enough and probably some demolition figures still out there. I think Christmas 93, I got repo, man. I was very happy. Oh, you lucky thing. 
Uh, yeah, I got him, Berserker, El Matador, and Sean. The best and I think, ones. And I think Sean was the only one who was still employed at the company at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Have you still got yours, though? Are they still somewhere safe? They might be in a shoebox somewhere at the old place. So we wrap up with Bobby Heenan interviewing Sean, who is upset about the Intercontinental rematch. He's bitching about unfair treatment. He complains that the Hacksaw called Jack Tunney when he doesn't even have Jack Tunney's phone number. But he indicates that he has a secret plan, which he whispers into Bobby Heenan's ear. And that's how we go off the air. I like that. That's a nice little finish. It's a nice little bookend, the Doug and Michaels thing. Build the next week's show, which has the Bigelow versus Typhoon King of the Ring qualifier. And, of course, Sean versus Hacksaw, Lumberjack match for the Intercontinental Belt. And we know that two Lumberjacks include Yokozuna, who hates Duggan, and Mr. Perfect, who hates Sean. I'm quite excited for the next week's show. That feels, in the grand scheme of things, compared to what we've had before, pretty stacked. <laughs> As I read the card for next week's show, i got to say, it is a pretty event all around, with some very familiar faces in preliminary roles and some big stars as well. Well, we shall look into that next week. I will say, if Hacksaw does win the Intercontinental Belt, I'll bet he wouldn't go to New Japan and call it a trinket. Good shout. And on that bombshell, <laughs> at JRH Writing, he is on Twitter. At Tom Campbell, that is me on the Twitter. Uh, Cultaholic Classic Raw Review is back next week. Do join us. Love you, bye. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.